This episode was recorded in front of a live audience. Little content warning, some of the experience depicted might trouble some listeners. Also, there have been some minor use of explicit language. You have been warned. Good afternoon, everyone! Are some of you here to listen to a panel? Maybe ask a few questions. The mic is not helping me speak to you, it's just recording. So for your information, so today we're having a panel about mental health. With a few exceptions, these people are not experts. We're not here to tell you, oh, it should be. We are trying to have a conversation with you. So there will be a, a bit of time for Q&A for your, doesn't have to be questions, can be about your own experience, suggestions, and this sort of thing. And as I was saying, this microphone is for the recording of the very first The Rollies Present live panel, but it's not intensifying your voice. So you will have to project, as they say in theater, in order to everyone to hear you. I am Kaloum from The Rollies Podcast, and I'm joined today by a very lovely group of people from the RPG community here in London. Can we start with... Naomi. Hi, uh, I'm Naomi. Can everybody hear me? Yeah. Nice. Okay. Uh, I run uh, No More Damsels with a couple of other people. Our whole deal is that we uh, support women and binary people playing RPGs. Um, and I also have a wee podcast called Powered Roll. That's my deal. Dash it. That's my Dasha. deal. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> hey guys. I'm Dasha, I'm from London RPG community, I'm an, thank you, I'm an admin and organizer of the group, and um, that's me. Nice. Next. <laughs> people, people at the back, feel free to come to the front if you want, if you have difficulties hearing us. Hello everybody, uh, my name's Dave, I... Uh, I run the uh, Roleplay Haven along with lots of amazing volunteers. Uh, we meet uh, in London and in Cardiff and in Plymouth all across the UK. Uh, and in my real, I guess my real life job, uh, I'm a therapist uh, working with people, people with mental health and things like that. So it's a real passion, passion topic here today. Woo! <laughs> therapist, yeah! <laughs> Another one. Uh, I can't be outdone by Dave's voice, so I have to talk really loudly. My name's Rupert. I run the, uh, the Goblin's Chest. I work with kids with traumatic backgrounds, struggling with behavioral and communication struggles. Yeah. So today we're here to talk about mental health as D&D fan. Uh, mental health, that's a rather broad thing. What, what do we actually, what do the four of you think of when we mention mental health? in the context of tabletop role-playing games and Dungeons and & Dragons. Um, David? Yeah, um, so I guess mental health is like a very integral part of our human experience. I think we've all, we, all, we all know what we mean when we say fit, uh, physical health, but I think mental health can be a little bit more fuzzy. Uh, and just the way you can have a, a cold or you can break a leg, and both of those are physical, physical health uh, injuries or needs, and the same thing can happen in your mental health. You can have a mental health cold and a mental health broken leg, I guess. And, and neither of those are more important than the other. They're both valid, both important to you, and they both affect you and stop you from sometimes doing the things that you do. So mental health is about keeping healthy in, the, in that mental side of, uh, of healthcare, I guess. 
So we're talking all, all range of things from a daily excite, anxiety you might have yep. to a, uh, I don't know if it's the right word, I'm going to try to use words, I apologize in advance if they are not appropriate, uh, some kind of condition, permanent or more long term. Yeah, yeah, what, what, about one in four people will, will uh, have a significant mental health illness throughout their, uh, throughout their life. Um, Two, two out of the three of the two, two out of three will rep, will report that to somebody. So it, it really does affect every, every, everyone, and it's important to acknowledge that because we will acknowledge that we get affected by, I don't know, have, having the flu, throwing up. We'll even tell people we have diarrhea, but we won't tell people we're feeling sad. What is with that? I don't tell people about my uh, <laughs> digestive system. <laughs> Naomi, uh, did, does that match what you had in mind coming today? Um, so I think that the thing about mental health is that it's not just uh, about mental illness. So mm. mental health is, is, a, is a bar of how good we are at coping with things. So every day we have to go out and we have to listen to things about Brexit and we have to like get on the tube with awful people who lean on us when we're trying to sit And all of that is pressures that affect us on a daily basis. And so kind of mental health is our ability to cope, to move on, to be able to function as a human being. And I think that the thing about what we do here is that we really create support networks. So uh, studies show that people who have strong support networks have better mental health. So whether you go to church or you play hockey or you play RPGs, you have a support network of people who can help boost you, give you a little bit more energy or spoons to cope with I, I'm sorry to use Brexit but it, it's hard to cope with on a daily basis, you know uh, and I think that that what we do is we create support networks and I think that's what RPGs are really good for yeah. Dasha? Yeah, I completely agree um, mental health is an integral part of everybody's personality and everybody's well-being so um, it's a scope of all of your emotions and the way you're feeling on a daily basis so absolutely essential to talk about it as well it's as important as your physical health uh, to touch what Nomi said it is a speak louder ah, I shall speak like this um, exactly exactly <laughs> marvellous um, it is about creating a support network for people um, and allowing them to see that the trouble that they're going through is defeatable It's not the end of the road. It is something that they can overcome and that they will overcome if they, if they want to. And that's the key thing. They have to want to do it because if they do, then they will succeed. I mean, there are conditions that people, physical conditions that people overcome. As Dave said, the physical and mental, the differentiation between them is we only talk about the physical ones out in public. We don't talk about the mental ones. Talk about it. Talk to your friends. Someone's going through the same thing that you're going through. Help each other out. So you're all, to one extent, you're running clubs, you organize events, you organize workshops. Why does it matter mental health in the specific context of role-playing and Dungeons and Dragons events and life things? Yeah, uh, I, th I, think, I, think, I think it's important, as um, everyone's kind of touched on, is that... You know that old phrase, an apple, apple a day keeps the doctor away? Right, so that's, that's actually quite true. Doctors are scared of apples. But <laughs> it's don't true. Don't eat I, fruit. I see that, yeah. They run away. Save the NHS, don't eat fruit. Exactly, exactly. So it's the same with your mental, same with your mental health. It's about putting things in place daily 
and regularly to support yourself. The same way people might go out for a jog to keep themselves physically fit. I mean, I'm not going out for a jog anytime soon, but people, I hear people do that. So it's the, same, it's, the same with, it's the same with mental health. So we're putting strategies in place that support you. And one of the fantastic strategies that you can put in place is meeting up with people, engaging in escapism, and talking. Does that sound like something that we've been doing today? For, hey. for me, that's, that sounds exactly like what we've been doing today. Um, yeah, I completely agree. Um, in context of role-playing games, mental health plays an essential role because um, it provides tools of uh, overcoming certain certain anxieties and um, insecurities that we would never have an ability to overcome in any other way. So um, escapism, um, overcoming social anxiety by pretending to be someone else um, is a way to explore your personality in a way that other ways uh, make challenging. And um, finding a creative outlet for a lot of people with social uh, anxiety and mental health disorders is absolutely essential. Um, actually, I want to quote, um, we started a really fantastic hashtag on Twitter, uh, D&D for Mental Health, same as the name of the event. And we've been getting really interesting stories from people telling how D&D and mental health relate to each other. And there's one guy who um, um, shared that he has schizophrenia and his, as he described, quirks, um, he found a way to make that a creative outlet in D&D and make it fantasy ideas instead of people seeing it as quirks. And I thought it was really inspiring. So absolutely essential to keep that um, connection, I think. And it, it's... Well, for me, the, the few tweets we got, yeah. were, some of them were quite a, kind of a surprise because it's, it's all about visibility. And I, I got yeah. people here also engaged with uh, Tabletop Gamer and the visibility for non-binary people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was sort of the same. I was surprised to find out that some players I knew were gay, which is totally fine for me, but I didn't know because I'm, I'm terrible with that. And I was surprised with those tweets to see some tweets from individuals mm-hmm. I knew telling us about the, the problems, sometimes societal issues they had. So yeah. visibility, I think, does a lot for, for everyone. And visibility is a bit your speciality now before another field, but... Yeah, I feel, I feel like uh, the thing about mental health is it's, it's not always equally shared. We're not experiencing the same pressures. We're not experiencing the same benefits. Um, so, like, for us at No More Damsels, uh, a lot of us play RPGs and we love it, but some of us find it more difficult to find an RPG group that will accept us as we are or will let us play as we are. Um, and I feel like that's that's kind of where we're, we're beginning to step up. But we're still in that process of sort of learning that. I feel I feel like the, the thing that we get from RPGs is, is shared emotional experiences. And I'm sure everyone in this room has a shared emotional experience story. Um, but I'm going to give you mine. Uh, I used to live in New Zealand, which is why I have this funny voice. Um, and uh, I was playing with my friends over Skype and a beloved NPC, I was the cleric and I let him die by accident. Oh, and, and I'm on the train, I'm in Horsham of all places and I'm crying buckets about this dwarf who isn't even real because he wrote a heart-rending letter. And you know, there, there's that sort of weird thing of, of we're playing in 12,000 miles away and these are people that I can't see on a daily basis anymore but we can still have that shared experience. And I can cry about a dwarf when, I, when what I want to cry about is missing my friends, but I have that option to just be like, we're here, we're experiencing this emotion together, you know, isn't that really 
isn't that really important? Isn't that really connecting? Um, and so I think that that's kind of like what RPGs really push onto mental health is allowing us to sort of use these support networks to really get that stuff out, um, which is kind of what we try and do is allow more people to do that. Um, I, I'm going to, again, agree with you completely. I'm going to agree with you completely. Hey. Um, <laughs> what we're doing is we're forming our own support networks. Now, while it might be difficult to talk to a friend about something that you're going through, depending on your relationship, saying, I'm Dave, I'm depressed. I'm incredibly, incredibly depressed. It's difficult. But if you portraying a character, it's so much easier to step back and say, well, I'm not saying this, my character's saying this. You can communicate with your friends or complete strangers in a way that they can intuit to mean certain things. And you can get stuff off your chest. Now, even if you don't is that even if that isn't reciprocated, you have the opportunity to vocalize what you're feeling in a safe way. You don't have to worry about being judged because ultimately you're not saying this. Your character's saying this. But Dave can read between the lines because Dave <laughs> knows what he's doing and he knows that I'm actually depressed and Dave can respond with his character. And it's about building these relationships, even if they're you know, imaginary with other people that allow you to express things that are so personal you feel uncomfortable sharing with them in the normal world. And that builds, and as time progresses, you will connect with people in a way that you can talk to them. And that's what the ultimate goal is, to get yourself to a point where these awkward conversations can be had with people and friends and real development and real progress can be made in your personal life that can make you happier really. Can I jump off that? Um, so I don't know if anyone reads the Washington Post but they had a really interesting article this week about a uh, young trans woman who was really struggling with the idea of processing of coming out um, and the ability to play a female character over and over again and kind of get the idea that this is not something that I want to inhabit part-time and have that, that sort of space to play and explore and try things. So try new pronouns, you know, try, try new sort of uh, experiences really allows us to, to kind of verbalize these sort of things. Trans rights! Thank you. Actually, it's a nice segue. Uh, we've got a little time to discuss for you, the audience, to react about what has been said already, do you want to talk on the microphone? Sure. Um, sorry, I was just trying to say that, like, yeah, as a trans person, I was able to... Sorry. As a trans person, I've been able to, like, um, before I was confident coming out or knowing that I was, like, correct with that or whatever, I could try different characters, I could try different genders, I could try different sorts of things and see people interact with me kind of as the gender I wanted to be. And then... Like at that point, it, it helped with kind of being able to more subtly start moving towards things. I think about a lot of people, a lot of like, often a lot of queer things, a lot of everything else, just being able to start moving towards who they want to be in a safer place. And it's really yeah. good for that. Hi. Is this on? Is this on? It's not I'll on, just it just records. I, I am uh, I am not uh, trans, but I do have mental health issues. I suffer from anxiety and depression, and I think that uh, although that was fantastic and, and makes complete sense, it also works in terms of 
the, the mental illnesses, not just the, 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 who we want to be. So I frequently go and I role play and I uh, also do a lot of therapy. In my therapy sessions, they talk to me about how I might want to experiment with uh, doing things that feel really like not okay to me, setting boundaries, that kind of thing. <laughs> and I can go and be a much more assertive role-playing character. I can go and test what it's like to not let people walk all over me. And these things become more normalized in the way that I approach my actual life. And I think that with all of these things, it's just how you can go and test out being the person that you might be happier being in real life. So, so to kind of jump on top of that as well, I mean, when we're growing up, we test out who we are when we're, we're children, when we play. And when we become adults, we lose that play a little yeah. bit, right? Yeah, and play's really important. And play's really, really important. And you understand who, you're, who you are by interaction. So that playful interactions means so much more than that playful interaction. Um, I think... And we, I think it's really, it's really good. To get, those examples are fantastic. And I think also subconsciously that happens even if you're not engaging engaging in that as well even if you don't feel like I've got an agenda here or I'm trying to or I might be I don't, I don't know I'm sat those things will subconsciously happen and allow you to allow you to express yourself in a different way for me uh, I, I play I make sure that I play every week on a Tuesday every week I'll make sure I'll, I'll go play and if I don't I've realized that it kind of puts me in a funk for the rest yeah. of the week because I haven't been able to explore and express myself in a way that I don't get to do a lot of times. So I think that's another reason why the RPG um, yeah, communities um, are important. Just to touch on what that general, that, just to touch on what you said earlier, I mean, I work predominantly with, with younger children and to give them the opportunity to choose for themselves what they want to do. Now, apart from saying to, to, to for example, a 12-year-old girl, what do you want to be? I want to be a boy. Fine. That's fantastic. But it's also a case of, and I'm talking from a dungeon master or a games master's point of view, to be comfortable enough, and this may sound disingenuous, but to be comfortable enough portraying other genders, other races, other roles in a way that is natural, that looks and comes across as something that's normal to do. You can be whoever you want to be. There are no biases, there are no stereotypes at the table. It is a safe place for you to do whatever you want. Whether you believe it's questionable, whether society believes it's questionable, is irrelevant. At the table, you are who you are. And because of that, and I, and I, I know this has been a thing that happened a while ago, that incident that happened at, uh, at a game expo where someone started off a D&D game with something stupid. Um, allowing people not to be put in a position where they don't feel safe. If you're a DM, if you're a GM, you have to, and this is a word that's scary to use, especially around children, but you have to love your players. You have to love them enough to care for them and make them feel that their choices are valid regardless of what they are. Yeah, that's all I'm going to say. So uh, we're going to gloss over it because you don't want to talk about it, but UK Games Expo is a thing that sort of pushed us to be like, hey, we're going to make no more damsels. Um, because I think that while RPGs are really great and we get lots out of them, the access to them is not always as equal as it could be. Like, there's still room to go 
there's still times when we, we have that moment where we're like, I can't be who I want to be because of someone else. And I think that we, we, we really need to keep an idea of, are we being, are we letting everybody consent at the table to what's going on? Are we being equal and fair? Um, I once had a GM say that a player couldn't own property because they were a girl. And it's like, there are vampires. And she can control people with her face. Like, why can't she own a, why can't she own a business? You know, and, and we're, we're at this point now where it's 2019, we're slamming into the future, we know what's what, it's time. So I think that, that part of the mental health thing is to make sure that we're providing that around, that we're using X cards or lines and veils, or we're just having that conversation at the table where we're like, hey, is everybody cool with this? Are we all good? Do we know where we're going? Is everybody having fun? Because when it comes down to it, we're here to have fun. The story is great, but it's never more important than the players at the table. And like, y'all are all players and you love it and you want to have fun. And as GMs, that's what we want you to do. We want you to have fun. And so I feel like mental health wise, that's what's really important. Sorry. I love a good segue, but Naomi, what you're doing, you're jumping to the I'm next s- question already, sorry. which is great. Uh, RPG clubs and events as positive environments for mental health. What is already done within your events and clubs? Yeah, I, I think that was a really good segue. And um, so, at, for example, at London RPG community, we're trying to really provide a safe and inclusive space for people to play at the table. And so much has been said of how important a safe space is. Um, and that's why that's kind of one of our biggest priority. And as you also said, it's a lot more important to make sure people feel safe and included than actual plot line of your game. So um, what has been done already is obviously events like this should be a lot more Um, common and it's great that we're getting together and making sure we're talking about it so raising awareness is one of the biggest factors and then um, what every I think every club should do and I think most of the clubs in London do is having a very clear code of conduct and Nomer Damsels is fantastic at uh, providing this for new clubs so if you're thinking about that or for events like um, you guys did for this event so It seems trivial, but actually it's really important to have a reference to um, mitigate any kind of situations like UK Games Expo um, had. And um, what we also do, and that's a little bit unconventional, but we go through a DM vetting process. So we're really, really passionate about making sure uh, DMs and GMs are um, very aware of um, the standard that they need to stick to as a GM. And we don't... tell them to love their players I would love to tell them that but we can't um, Let's do it maybe we should um, <laughs> but either way we at least try to provide them guidelines of how what good practice looks like and how to provide a safe and inclusive space at the table so I think that's super important um, on the level of gaming community to provide this kind of guidelines and um, make sure everybody understands them yeah Yeah, I think I think that those are really good proactive strategies. And I feel like yeah. with, with with issues like this, um, especially with, mental, with, with thinking about mental health and, and creating an inclusive environment, you want to have a look at, at at solving an issue with most of your strategies being proactive. A little of them being a little of them being kind of active, and the least amount being reactive. You don't want to 
you don't want to just be seen to be reactive. I think and putting that pro proactive strategies in place looks like, as you said, GM vetting, look, looking at what games are being run, the content of the games being run, learning from your experiences. If something goes wrong, not trying to hide it, but trying to address it is, is always, a always a good thing. I think um, the other part of it is, and something that we try to do at the RP Haven, is look at it as a, as a culture, as a community, and try to create a culture that this is, this is the norm. This isn't. This isn't. This isn't different. That this is unusual ideas, and that can be hard. That can be quite hard when you're talking about changing culture, change, um, and promoting culture. Uh, and one of the things that I feel is is important to do is address culture leaders within your community. Each community has cultural leaders. Yeah. And it's really important that you that those people take on um, uh, take on a. Responsibility. A responsibility of, yeah. of in creating a space where mental health is spoken about, mental health is awareness. People are included. People don't feel that they have to hide themselves. That that at the table they can have a fun, safe time. And if they want to deal with issues at that table, that's not weird. That's fine. That's great. Great. If you want to come along and experiment, and experiment with, with, with when you're role playing, fantastic. Is it, it, does it have to be the main point? No, but it has to be a culture of that's okay to do. And I think that's one of the big focuses that we, we, we try to do is address that culture. Um, I think you're never going to have a perfect answer for that one because um, how do you change a culture? <laughs> it's a big question, but I think that's where, for us, the biggest proactive strategy should be. Yeah. I just wanted to add on top of what Dave said, I think... Um, the amount of responsibility a group takes should be proportional to the impact that they have on the community in general. And it doesn't just apply to gaming communities. It's the same with politics, it's the same with healthcare. And as a small gaming club, we have a certain amount of impact and we take responsibility for that. If you're a large gaming company publishing, well, very good selling books, you should take responsibility and be able to stick to that and realize what kind of impact you're having and what kind of example you're setting for a broader community. So I just think it's really important to have this proportion um, adjusted. Hi, just on the point of culture, I've been GMing for 15 or so years now. And one of the rules that it took me longer than I would like to admit to learn is the saying yes or yes and. And that doesn't have to just apply to, can I stab the orc in the face? It can also apply to the more complex questions, the things that people are uncomfortable answering. If you make it clear that your table's generally yes, yes, and, or occasionally the more interesting yes, yes but. but. <laughs> the, it's all about accepting and rolling with what is given. And you don't have to restrict that to just the fighting the monsters and looting the treasure. It can go beyond that if that's what your group wants to explore. So anyone who does anything in GMing, I thoroughly encourage, yes, yes, and, and yes, but, add them to your vocabulary. Frankly, normal people could do with more of that in their vocabulary, but it's a GM advice that I think really links into making the safe space, making the changes. The phrase, yes, yes, and, and yes, but. Thank you. Uh, yeah. um, sorry, I just want to touch on a couple of things. First of all, the use of the word love. That's why I went like this when I said it the first time. Um, it's more... I say filial love, like love for your fellow man, not I love you. Um, <laughs> the other thing I'd like to say is touching on, on delicate issues, specifically with what I do, a lot of the times the children have gone, well, the, the people that I work with have gone through 
traumatic experiences. Now, to ignore and discount that is, is not helpful. You have to address them, but you have to address them in an interesting and safe way, using analogies, using similar situations, but not to put them so in, in the situation that they feel threatened or um, singled out in any way. It's, a, it's about allowing them to view a situation that they have a familiarity with, but in a way that they can interact with safely without feeling yeah. exposed. Nice. So we can talk about racism and prejudice and exclusion and all these horrible social ills that we have, but we do it in the context of a game that is safe. The dragon has gone and stolen all the gold. It's no different from the bully taking someone's lunch money, but it's the analogy that we can recognize in our own lives. So I have a, uh, I was actually given a really interesting anecdote for this. Um, has anyone played Ro any Rowan, Rook and Deckard games? Yes, Honey Heist, if you played Honey Heist, you played one. Uh, so, uh, they have a wonderful game called Warrior Poet. Um, it's competitive haiku writing. If you don't like haikus, you probably won't like it. But, uh, so uh, Maz from Rome Rook and Deckard told me of this really wonderful email that they got. Is uh, a group of, of players, they had one of their players pass away um, really suddenly, and they were really dealing with that. So what they did is they played Warrior Poet, and they wrote haikus about their friend. And they got to like really have that sort of like memorial experience of, of sort of letting go of that grief and really experiencing that grief, but in sort of like a, a safe and structured way. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm really afraid of this microphone. Uh, and, and, yeah. Uh, in this sort of really like safe and, and sort of powerful way. And I think that the RPGs really allow us to have these sort of powerful, emotional, transformative experiences. Yeah. But that's that's a dangerous situation because your other players aren't mind readers and your GMs aren't mind readers and they're not therapists, but they are here to support you. And so creating that environment where we can all say, yeah, this is what we're here to do. Hands in, let's do this together. Let's have that experience. I think is really powerful and really important. If anyone wants to... Yeah, great. You have to yell, please. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm a teacher in... A, sorry. I'm a teacher in... A, special needs school and um, we deal with lots of secondary um, I get an hour and a half of Dungeons and Dragons a week as of this term so we run a half term now um, it's sort of just touching on a couple of things it's we've got on-site therapists who have never played role-playing games and I sort of pitched this to them as an integrated therapy and got some strange looks and now one of them especially has really taken it on board she comes to all of the sessions um, we've seen some amazing stuff. We've got a new girl that it was nearly non-verbal, who last week, all of a sudden, came out of nowhere, um, picked up the drunken masker's keg of beer and ran off with it. <laughs> and then we realised that was to open up a dialogue with that person. And she started conversing, and all of a sudden, couldn't stop her talking at the table. That's and there were really some powerful. amazing interactions amazing. with that, which yeah. was great to see. Um, um, and then she wanted to drink the beer, <laughs> which was a yes, but situation. Yes, but now you're going to have to make a constitution check. Oh, luckily you rolled a two. Um, and she kept trying to do it and it got worse and worse every time for her, which led into a lovely segue about looking at alcohol as well. Um, it's led to some brilliant stuff that we can look at and some lovely focused things that I'm planning for next half term. But sort of getting on to the subject of always saying yes, 
is just a little bit of advice really I'm looking for in another game that I don't run another teacher runs we've got a kid that's constantly trying to murder Hobo like constantly it's just I want to kill that person I want to kill that person so how far do you go with the yes but before you try and rail that in a little bit I know it's an awkward question because you don't know the people involved yeah, yeah. but like seeing as we're on that subject a little bit of advice on that would be grand because it's not my game it's someone else's but if I could just feed back to him that'd be lovely uh uh, I've got um, the same thing happened. There's always one kid in the group that wants to murder everybody. Um, the, the point is to try and modify and change that behavior over time. Now, it's not going to happen in one session. It's not going to happen in five sessions. But the yes, but thing works really well. But you put stuff in the game. So one of the kids, I want to kill everyone. Okay. I gave him a magic sword. Right? Roll the dice. If you're attacking an evil person, one, two, three, one shot, they're gone. Three, four, five, you just do normal damage. But if you ever attack a quote-unquote good person, roll the dice. One, two, three, you die. Now, that doesn't seem like a major thing. It seems a little bit stick and carrot, but three sessions later, he's not killing anybody. He's playing along with his friends. His teamwork went up. He's communicating better. He's got the power, but it's a double-edged sword. So, yes, but works. <laughs> it literally works. Really 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 sword. <laughs> I, th I think, just to add to that, is exact, that's exactly right. I think consequences are important. Because, con especially when you're role-playing with kids, because consequences happen in, the real li in real life. And so, to pretend that it, that doesn't exist in role-playing games, one, it makes a boring role-playing game if there's no consequences. As, a, as when I'm playing, I like to push my luck with everything. The GMs here will know. I will try to get away with everything. But there needs to be a, there needs to be a consequence. And with roleplay, with roleplay, it is f fun and fluffy, but it needs to mirror real life a tiny bit. And that that's what makes it a fun, a a, a b educational. Um, so yeah, I think consequences in whatever form you put that is is important. But they have to be severe. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you have a reaction, please wave at me. I'm going to hand you the microphone. Otherwise, nobody will hear you on the internet. Um, Dasha, anything to add on that? Um, I think I answered this question already. Okay, well, you, did you? I, I answered, I think, okay. twice. Yeah, okay. I think I overshared. We all yeah. spoke. Okay, the next question, we sort of answered it already, but specifically... So these are the things you're already doing. What are the, thi the more things, the other things we could start doing? Like, we don't do that, we should consider to do in the future. Yeah, actually, I was going to build on my answer previously about how we need to take responsibility for the impact. So from a perspective of a gaming club and whatever scale you represent, I think it's important to make sure that we provide a safe and inclusive space so uh, what we're working now is um, considering a diversity and inclusion statement. And I think that's really important to make sure that everybody feels included and they know that they're being taken care of by people who organize this experience for them and that provide this experience for them. So I think um, having that and having, um, I mean, I mentioned code of conduct already, um, but having this kind of reassurances for people that they are thought about and we actually care about 
their well-being instead of just, you know, running some games. That you could almost say that you love them. I okay. do. <laughs> I was just going to say, um, on the note of like, on the note of being a murder hobo and dealing with that <laughs> in game, and on a similar note, it that kind of behaviour doesn't just happen. It comes from somewhere like either either the people playing the game are just bored or they have some kind of something that they need to work out within themselves so a lot of that could just be solved by kind of asking why and they might not be receptive to that at first but to a certain extent you can then start to open that dialogue and if they're just bored then you can then chat to them about what they want out of the game and then they can either leave the game and find a different or you can all find the middle ground together or if there's more to it than that you can then kind of open that dialogue and start exploring those things together or you can find help out of the game as well so I, I like to think of that sort of thing as we're nice. dealing with that um, uh, I think that uh, there's definitely some things that we could be doing and I'd like to challenge everyone here to like take this home with you this is your take home little bit so when you start a game, it's, hi, I'm Naomi, I use she, her pronouns. It's really minor, it takes three seconds. Boom, you're setting the standard. You're setting the standard that this is my pronouns, I've told you what they are, you will use them. Even if you're a cis person like me, like that sets a standard. You've made that space open for someone else to come in. Um, I think that's really important. I think the other thing that's really important is, uh, I'm looking at Janet over there, is world building. You have a world, you have guards. Is your guard always a white guy in his 30s? He might be, maybe he shouldn't be. You know, like our worlds, are, our worlds are filled with interesting people who have interesting stories and come from lots of different backgrounds. You know, are we filling our worlds with those sort of people? Are we, are we making uh, gender fluid, gender neutral characters? Are we making disabled characters? Are we making people of color in our worlds? Are we, or are we just creating the same like clone person over and over again in every town? And I think not only does that make for a better game, but it makes for a better experience for the people at the table. And it, it, it leaves that door open for people to say, oh no, there are people like me in this world, I can be here. And it sort of, it, it shows that you're being inclusive, which I think is really important. Um, and the other thing I'd like to say is, encourage people to GM. So I go into a lot of clubs uh, where I am one of two or three female GMs, or, and I don't often go into many clubs where I see non-binary GMs. Um, you can encourage people to GM who don't usually GM. There's lots of great players at your table who don't get an option. So really like lifting people up, giving people those platforms, giving people those opportunities and saying, oh, uh, the board of this club, is it all dudes? Or is it all white people? Maybe it shouldn't be. Maybe we can invite some more people. Maybe we can get sort of a really more representative and more interesting group of people. So we're not unconsciously biasing ourselves all the time. So I think that's... Uh, just to touch on the dove... Thanks. Just to touch on the diversity aspect, a lot of the time when people are given choices, you always fall back on a trope that you're comfortable with. So, apologies. Um, if I move I mean, your microphone, don't apologize. Just right, okay. go on. Um, one of the things I do with the kids, especially kids that have never played any sort of role-playing game before, in real life, you don't get to choose your race. So why does it matter in game? I only get them to roll a dice and based on that, they're whatever they are. 
And you make the decisions based on what you are. You don't give them a choice to be this or that. It's random, just like life. And it shouldn't matter in the game anyway. So there are no intrinsic benefits to being one thing or the other. We're all just people, we just look a little bit differently. Now, it does help slightly with the, with the diversity within the character group. Um, but then, like you say, it's down to the GM and the games masters to create a world where that, again, doesn't matter. And you've got to enforce it from both sides, both from the character creation point of view as well as the world that they inhabit. But that is very much a GM's challenge, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that we as players are often creating bonds and uh, we're creating NPCs in our backstory. So it's not just our GM's responsibility. You know, we, we can say, uh, I have a mentor. Uh, he does this, he's X, Y, Z. He's also an amputee. That's fine. Like, you've added that color to the world by yourself. You've really, you've enriched that world with just one NPC. And that's, and it, it just adds so much more to what you're experiencing. I think to add to that, I think it's really important to, as players, as people who attend clubs, who are the, who are, the, who, who make up the community, to understand, to remember where we, where we kind of came from and where we're, and, and, and look at where we're going. Like role, role play has traditionally always, traditionally been the alternative people with alternative interests, right? Nerds. And we, 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 we flocked to it because we seemed. We, we flocked to that because it seemed like, oh, maybe someone's into that weird thing that I'm into, right? But if we keep that, we keep that our weird thing and don't invite other people in, then we're no, no better than the people who pushed us away in the first place. Yeah. So I think as players, the thing to us is to remember that just because it's yours now, it doesn't mean it's just yours. It's for, it's for everyone. And I think when we attend the, attend the clubs, we can put those demands on the people who run clubs and say, hey, I'm attending, but I want the club to be like this. I want it to include people. I want to include me and I want to include them. I want to include all, everyone. And the one thing I would say to everyone is there's an, there's an initiative going on at the moment called Ask Twice. I, that's something I think the RPG community should really bring on board because it really fits us, right? Ask Twice. How often do you sit down at a club and go, hey, how are you doing? I'm fine, how are you doing? And you jump right into the role play, right? These are people that you're meeting. How are you is a really important question. Ask it a second time and mean it. Ask it a second time and say, no, actually, how are you? How was your job today? How was your, how's your week been? I haven't seen you for a whole week and the last time I was talking to you, you were, try, you were, you were struggling with X, Y, and Z. Make that human connection, don't just make that character connection. And I'm guilty of this as well. I walked away from role play, role play games and go, can't remember their name, but I can remember their character's name. <laughs> let's try to make that the other way around. Oh, sorry. Let's try, let's try to make that the other way around. <laughs> and, and, really and really embrace that kind of community experience. Because it's what you guys want. It's what the industry will reflect. It's what we will reflect. It's what you guys want. It's what, what will happen. But yeah, yeah, that's my little challenge. Ask, hashtag ask twice. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a fantastic idea and it really adds to the community building experience that people get when they come to play in a place, in a public place with strangers, but building on personal connections like this is really what makes people come back and expand and make friends and I think that's fantastic and RPG really helps with that, which adds to our 
well-being on an everyday basis and making friends and building connections is what we all need as human beings. So I think that's a really great initiative and please do that and play games. These guys are pro. What a segue to start the Q&A and involve the community here with us today. Who wants to say something, to ask something? If you do, please come closer because my cable run, has Conrad, a limited run. reach. Uh, I know you wanted to add uh, something. Uh, yeah, it's, it's going back a little bit, but a while ago we were talking about um, like how to make the culture, like you know, accepting people, like allowing people in. I just want to say that I think a lot of very good work has been done there. We're all sat here today having a discussion about mental health and a bunch of other diversity, and it's all yeah. going well. Yeah. And uh, earlier on, when I said I'm trans, for probably the first time I've ever... A room cheered at me because I said I was trans. <laughs> and that was such... <laughs> but, like, as somebody as part of a minority group that gets a lot of shit, that gets a lot of people not believing you, telling you you're wrong, completely, like, disallowing your existence, having a room full of people cheer at you for that is so, so validating and accepting. So, thank you. Don't be shy, Claude. Uh, well, I was going to ask uh, a question because race was brought up as an issue and I think this is a, as we're sort of having these uh, discussions about making spaces more inclusive in role-playing games, I think uh, race is, is, is a pertinent topic. Uh, and I was wondering, uh, your, each of your individual positions on the fact that it's in Dungeons and Dragons specifically, and in a lot of role-playing games, there's the problematic aspect that the first thing you choose is a race yeah and these races being exclusive and having their own cultures and defined areas and almost uh, a hang on from Tolkien's time of like ah yes the dwarves live in the mountains yeah. and have this culture and speak this language uh, how do we as game masters as world builders as previously mentioned improve on that and uh, with the limits of the system make that space more inclusive in that way I think it's really important to remember that we're playing fantasy games and if you have a game where there are dragons you can have a game where racism doesn't exist like your imagination can stretch that far you know that it doesn't matter how historical it is there's wizards guys like come on so we you know we we have that option you know we have that option on the table but if that's if we decide that we're going to slam into the, the idea that we have races and those have consequences which are really important in in role playing games is making sure that we're all deciding that together and that we're we're experiencing that as individuals rather than as collectives if you know what i mean so instead of being like oh you're an elf therefore you are refined intelligent and you do this you can be a drunk shitty elf sorry you can be a drunk shitty elf like that is an option for you you know we're, we're creating individuals we're not creating stereotypes and really playing against type experiencing what's that what that's like in a safe way in a way that we've all consented to where we x card when it gets too much like is really powerful Just sort of on the subject of race, it's one that I didn't really think about much going into the game. I think there are two things to look at, especially when you deal with young people, is you've got a race, which is an elf, a dragonborn, or whatever, but then you've also got a colour of skin. And it blew my kids' minds 
when one of my kids turned around and went, I'm going to be a gnome, but I want him to be black. And that was a really important decision for him, which is one that I necessarily hadn't thought about at the time. And I don't normally assign a skin colour to a lot of characters unless it is a pink thing, yeah. a red Dragon Ball. But I think sometimes it can be equally validating because in real life, there are stereotypes. There are cultures. People have different cultures in the world. And again, that's sort of what we're exploring by looking at a game with different cultures can also be very enriching having that and exploring, okay, people are different in the world. That is important to know. Yeah. And it can create a really nice way to a vehicle for that as well. Just on the flip side of looking at maybe not necessarily focus on it, it can also be a really positive focus as well. Yeah, um, yeah I just wanted to add on top of the point about stereotypes and biases. I mean, we are all biased. It's how human brains work. We, we are based on patterns of thinking, but we can challenge that. And um, where is the person who asked? Oh, you asked a question about what tips GMs can employ to make their games more inclusive, more diverse. And um, I'm going to say uh, what worked for me really well, and it's an advice that my good friend Andy over there gave me. He is a brilliant dungeon master. And um, whenever you come up with an NPC or a character, especially if you're doing it on a spot and relying on your quick thinking, dismiss your first idea and go to your second option because we're always going to come up with the most stereotypical, the most biased um, option that you have. Just dismiss that and automatically go to your second. And it works really well. And I noticed my dungeon mastering improved, my world building improved by doing this. So that's a tip that really worked for me really well. So there you go. Um, sorry, I don't, if you don't mind. Just to go back to what you're saying. It's important. If you want to change something, you can't ignore it. So having racism and prejudice in a game, depending on your, on your ultimate goal, if I work with children who come from homes where racism is a thing, it doesn't help that you don't address it with them. You have to address it, but you have to address it in a safe way and in a conscious way. Uh, you can't just say, you walk into a room full of dwarves, you're an elf, you're in trouble. Then that's, that again, is not, you're not helping anybody there at all. But you just have to be, like I say, it's going to be different depending on the situation that you're in. Don't ignore it, address it, but do it sensitively. Yeah, sorry everyone. Uh, very quick uh, about the race issue, that, the question. Tips. So, first of all, a very good thing you can do is dissociate ability scores from race. There's actually a very good article on the ND Beyond by James Hank. Google it, you'll find it. There you can just changes the racial attributes from races to backgrounds and classes. Works wonders. Why can't an orc, an half-orc be a wizard? Why does he have to be the dumb brute? Just change that. That's the first step you can do. Second one is actually move away from tropes. Why are the orcs savages that live in the mountains? Don't. Uh, a good example of it is High Rollers Campaign 2 by Mark Humes. The sailors, the people of the sea, are half-orcs and orcs. Do that. Make the dwarves leave, live in the plains. Make the elves live in the mountains. Change it up. As Dasha said, think of the trope, dismiss it, do something else. I think, what, just the last thing I would add to that, yeah. the last thing I would add is just a really quick tip is 
thankfully we live in a more in, in a place in like London that is quite diverse compared to other places. My little thing is when I see people on the tube, that person's going to be that person's going to be in my uh, thing. Not because yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just imagining you getting on the tube and being like, "Excuse me, have you heard about the D and D?" And that and that's kind of my life in general. Okay, yeah. okay, cool. But yeah, but the people I meet, they become the people I meet, the people I talk to, I become my, my NPCs, and that. And in a place like London, that, help, that I think that helps a little, right? Yeah. So, um, one of the things that I'm always aware of, like, like in whatever room I walk into, etc., like that, I'm always aware of the number of black people, people of colour, in the room in many senses. And, like, as much as these communities are great in being open to everyone, I never feel like anyone's being prejudiced against me about that. There are still issues with diversity in this kind of thing. And, like, whilst, yes... The whole race thing is great and important that we are playing different races and dealing out with the game. There's still a level of player-wise, there seems to be a lack of players of colour in there. And especially when you go into that in the mental health stuff, there's so much of mental health stuff, if, mem if memory serves, that is based around white diagnosis, etc. and that kind of stuff, where so much of it isn't expanding to people of colour. I know that's not obviously RPG's fault, but it's still an issue that's going on. So part of the question is more how do you bring different communities into this like it's like even in a room like this is a fantastic room to be in the fantastic people but I'm also aware of the lack of people of colour in this room kind of thing so it's the whole thing of like how do we kind of expand that what more can we do about that I want actually to react to that with uh, making a call because on the race podcast I've been trying to uh, uh, yeah I have a, a diverse number of, of guests but as time goes, I realize that I don't have nearly enough guests of colors. So I'm making a call here because my knowledge and resources are limited. For anyone listening to that or anyone in this room today, I would be extremely interested yeah. to receive messages, emails, in which you would recommend to me people of colors. It can be players, it can be authors, who are London-based and that I could interview in person or have on these panels yeah. because that's something which has been brought up to me recently and I'd realized and I want to make better of that yeah. so please uh, do reach out to me um, so uh, obviously this panel is very white so um, I think I think part of the deal is that there's there's heaps of creators out there you have Twitter go and follow some people of color on Twitter Go and promote some things from people of color on Twitter. You know, uh, as as a person of privilege, we have a platform, and it's uh, part of our job is to create that platform to, to actually open up that space. and And I think that that's really important, and that's something that we should all be doing. And it's it's like for for no more damsels. We quite often get asked, you know, you work on gender diversity. Why don't you work on racial diversity? And that's a really difficult question because it's like, do we feel that's important? Yes. Do I feel like as a white girl I'm the best person to do it? No. But like it's it's something that we have to we have to make that space. We have to encourage people of colour to come into the space. We have to boost and promote the people of colour who are already here. Because we know that they're here. They're just not here today by like a couple. Um The other thing that you can do, if you want people to join in. Go and find them. Go and get them. Because if you don't know about it, you can't play the game. To, it's, it's a brilliant idea to include people in a sort of 
orbital sort of way, include them sort of just by including them like that. But I, I work with a group of kids in, in East London, um, all young boys, none have positive male role models. Unfortunately, all of them from African, Caribbean descent, um, broken homes, etc. A lot of these, and I'm, we're going to use the words tropes a lot, but a lot of these tropes are forced upon young people from ethnic minorities and they're expected to behave in certain ways because of the way their friends behave. You're standing there in front of us, you've joined us, you're no different to anybody else here. That's the only difference. And that should be the only difference. These kids I work with, they love D&D. But they've been shown d &E. You have to go and find people. You have to expose them to it yourself. That's what I'm getting for eyebrows. But that's, that's what I've done. And it's a, it's a drop in the bucket. But you reach one person, they're going to tell their friends. They're going to tell two people. And that's hopefully how it expands. But the way you do it is... Yeah, I, I, think, I think what I was thinking is um, if you look through your average rule book, the rule books are also quite white. And so like, like as a creator, to make sure that we're not doing that and we're not creating those biases unconsciously <laughs> and then we're not being like, oh, uh, elves are good and drow are bad, which is like, it's 2019, why are we still doing this? You know, and it's time for us to like actually make active choices and stop letting stuff sort of slip by under the radar without thinking about it. So we've touched on the diversity with race, with stereotypes, and how we need to sort of avoid all of that. And with that comes other more deeper issues with regards to mental health, which could include anxiety, uh, depression, um, maybe social depression in the sense of an entire community being that way. How would we go about addressing these deeper concerns on a more individual basis that may be reflected or an outward reflection within game of an actual individual that is playing? So maybe the individual themselves has depression and is trying to uh, express that and explore that. What sort of guidelines would you advise? So. I think it's a really, that's a really, really good question. Really, really, really important question. I think the first thing, to, the first thing to acknowledge, the first thing to say is, if someone, someone's trying to express something, let them express that. Give them, the, give them the platform, allow them to get there. The second thing, and the most important thing I can say, if someone's going through a mental health crisis, you're not there to solve that problem. There are people there you can signpost to. You, you can be a vehicle that helps that help someone address that problem. You can be a part of the solution. But that's not your burden. That, <clears throat> that's what your responsibility is, is to refer, is to make sure you signpost, refer, talk to that person and encourage them to seek help in, in, in appropriate places. And I think that's a really, really good question. It isn't your job as a GM or a player sitting around to solve that problem. It is your job as a person to responsibly show, help them where they, where they want to a place where they can get help. So I think that's a, re that's a really, really important question. I think since we're doing uh, this as a podcast, do you want to reference some good places for people to get help? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, for example, there's the IAP service. So you can get six to eight weeks free therapy. It, there's a waiting list. You can get it by phone. You can go in. Uh, it's free. It's available. The NHS provides it. There, I don't think there's anybody in this room that will not benefit from therapy. Therapy is good. We should all be doing it. We should be talking about it, okay? Yeah.
Uh, there's also Mind Charity. Yeah, my, my, Mind Run IAP services up and down the UK. They run their own clients and things like that. It's important to say that you don't you you don't need to be on well. You don't need to have a, a mental health broken arm to go get therapy. These these things are designed for people who have a mental health cold. And and if you look at their websites, they'll say things like you're struggling with money and you feel that pressure. That's the level we're starting at here, and it's really important that says that your problem isn't insignificant. Your problem just because you're you're not dying doesn't mean that your problem isn't 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 worth addressing. Um, some of the other places in crisis, like Smart, 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 sorry, um, there's, there's, there's Rethink UK, Rethink UK, are very, very good. Um, Mind on the website have have lots of, of resources. And can I challenge you all today? Something that we can all use use is Mind has a, res, a resource about how do you address your everyday mental health, not while you're in crisis, while you're well, how do you keep yourself well? So I would challenge you all today to go have a look at that and see if there's anything that you can adopt to help yourself on a day-to-day -day, day -day basis. Um, yeah. I, please send me that via email and I will include them in the show notes of this episode so yep. people can go check them and directly click. Yeah. And if, any, if anyone today has something they need to talk about today, um, over over, over on, the, on the charity stand over there, we have all the links and numbers uh, and websites if you, if you need to go to it. Um, and we've also got information you can just take away and read it your own time in case you're curious. So just feel, don't feel embarrassed, just come and say, I'd like that information please, and we won't ask any questions. Yeah. So, so to try and put it in context of the things you can go to therapy for, I, it took me six weeks to quit a job once. The job was so bad, so bad, that I had to go to therapy to be like, you don't, so the, the thing that changed my life is my therapist said, you don't have to give a shit. You can go to job and then you can quit and you can leave. And I was like, what? Because, because therapy is just, it's, 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 I'm not sure how to deal with this problem. And my friends and family, they've got their own shit to deal with. So, so therapy is there, it's available, it's free. We have the NHS. Go make use of it. Whatever you're struggling with, that's what it's for. So I'd really encourage you to go and do it. Yeah, 100%. And a little thing, if you do go see therapy, if you go see, see therapeutic people after this, if you don't like your therapist, change your therapist. It's okay not to like them, they're people too, right? First, first piece of advice. If you, if you find therapy difficult the first time, give it a second chance. It's, it's hard, it's not an easy thing. You're challenging, challenging and exercising yourself somewhere you've never challenged and exercised yourself before. Uh, and last but not least, I would 100% echo, don't be afraid of it, it's not a big scary beast. Your problems are important, they're very important. Just go, at the worst, at the worst it's a phone call. At the worst it's a phone call. And then you, they never see your face, they don't know who you are, you can just disappear into the night. But I hope you don't, I hope you don't. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna go for a closing question. I'm taking things in a slightly different direction to finish. But I wanted to discuss something which uh, happened as part of the organization of this event. So we mentioned a lot children, and it happens that for this event, we turned children away because it was a bit complicated in terms of being certain that we would provide a safe environment for them and in terms of liability. And it made me realize, again, we've been talking about a lot about the positive aspect for children of role-playing games. It made me realize how much in, in the UK and London, 
oddly enough, role-playing game clubs did not provide a space for children because, because of reality of uh, gathering in pubs and this sort of environment. So in terms of events and club, uh, yeah, what, what thing brought this situation as we were organizing it, three of you and maybe yourself, Naomi, what we, could we do for, to have more children to, to play? I think, I think um, one of the biggest things we can do is support teachers. I think that's one of the biggest things we can do. Teachers are underfunded, under-resourced, and it's a, the, it's, you have kids all there, so there's no need to go find them. Um, I think the second thing is not being afraid to address issues with children and, and, and to engage in play. Um, but what I'd like to say is we are behaving two weeks ago, three weeks ago, two, I should probably know that, um, in, in Plymouth we started our first kids club. Uh, it's just it's really good um, and it's something that we're, tr we're, we're, we're trialing and we need volunteers for so I'm going to pitch a little bit here if you want to get involved with that please come see me after this uh, I would love to get people who are, already, who are already involved and I know there's teachers out there like yourself, like yourself doing things with kids if you need resources one of the things we're also trying to do is provide, try to provide you with resources. We're trying to find companies who have damaged books that they can't sell. We'll buy them for cost price and give them to the teachers. Things like that. I think support, support teachers and don't be afraid of the kids because, you know, kids are scary. <laughs> I'd say a lot of it's got to do with accessibility. As we were yeah. talking before, many times RPG clubs or groups are held in places where kids aren't necessarily either welcome or able to go because of the time for school, you know, unless it's a weekend or something like that. So I suppose if you, if you really wanted to get involved with that sort of thing, talk to people, community centers, talk to people in the area, libraries, you know, get involved, find places that are accessible to kids, that are safe for kids, and get people that are in a way vetted to work with kids because that's that's one of the biggest hurdles is finding a, a, a teacher will be DBS checked you might not be you are more inclined or more likely to be able to set up a safe environment for a child than perhaps someone else I, I, I just wanted to share a little bit my own experience so uh, some of you might know I wasn't born in London I grew up on the continent and I did not join a role-playing game club back then because it was not as welcoming as it might be today and not as easy to find but I did join a, a model making hobbyist club and we're talking about children personally in my own personal life it was very interesting to join a club which was not a club for children doing hobbies having model kits and so on but a club with people of different ages and it was very interesting to make friendship with people of different ages who are not my parents, who I could have a good experience. So I think in the idea, I personally think it should be uh, yeah, diverse also in a way. It's, uh, it's really, it's an oddity I find of British society that the places of public gathering are public houses, who turned out to be pubs, who turned out to be places who serve alcohol. So it's very interesting culturally but uh, as an outsider for that thing, I find it uh, a, bit, a bit odd. Most things about the English are a bit odd, just in general. We've only just started. If you're interested, it, it, I could argue that you're a charity. 
from we're, coming we're, from this event. Come and see me afterwards <laughs> if anyone is interested in a child-friendly environment. Nice. All right, uh, we're already running over a bit. Any final thing anyone would like to add, desperately? And Ask twice. Ask twice. Ask twice. So this is going to be the goodbye if and all of the, my guests could say their goodbye and plug whatever uh, you have to plug and tell people where they could find you. Uh, okay, well, it's been absolutely lovely talking at you all and uh, listening to your questions and all your points of view and your lovely stories. Um, the Goblins Chess, we're online, Facebook, Instagram. I'm not as active as I should be, but I'm up there. Come see us at Dragon Meet if you're around. Um, and just be creative and ignore the rules because the rules are restricting. Cool. Yeah, well, thanks everybody. I really enjoyed this, all this conversation and the questions. If you want to find, if you want to find us uh, with the Roleplay Haven, uh, www.roleplayhaven.co.uk, rphaven underscore, rp underscore haven, I don't know, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, you'll, you'll find us. We'll be at all the conventions, Dragon Meet, UK Games Expo, all things like that. Just come onto the website, drop us an email. We meet every Tuesday and Wednesday in London. We have clubs in Stratford, Archway, and Lewisham. Oh, we'd love to see some of your faces come and play, play with us. And if you have a passion, if you have a passion project, whether it's working with kids, dealing with more mental health issues in clubs, anything, come find us. We want to support you. If we can't, if we can't do a part of the RP Haven, we'll try to help help you help you outside it. Um, yeah, ask twice. Thank you very much. Hi, thanks everybody for coming. It was really lovely to see so many people showing up for this panel and sharing your mental health stories. We are London RPG community. We are on all possible platforms. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook. We operate via Meetup. We run games every Tuesday and Thursday. And we welcome everybody. Uh, anybody can come play. Any, anybody can come and try and become a GM with us. We provide support platform. So please reach out. And uh, we're also going to be at Dragon Meet. So come say hi. And I'm Dasha. Nice to meet you. Uh, I was Naomi. Uh, I am the chair of a charity called No More Damsels, if you didn't pick that up. Uh, we're at nomoredamselsrpg.org. Uh, we're on Twitter as NMD London and Instagram and all the things. Um, we are running an event at the end of the month, which the lovely Janet will be at and Adventurers Wanted. We're going to run a GM workshop. So we'll be announcing that tomorrow. If you're a member of our charity, you not only get to vote on the things that we do and be involved and volunteer and help women and non-binary people, it is for everybody, but we boost women and non-binary people, uh, then you get early access to our wonderful events. Um, uh, you can find me on Twitter, um, and I also have a podcast with the lovely Conrad, which is at Power Draw. That's it. Thanks everyone for joining the very first live panel of the Rollies Present. There are a couple of the panels already available online. They were recorded on Twitch. They were recorded with Grant Tarwit. We got one about D&D in uh, the UK. We got one about tabletop role-playing games in the UK. Uh, this will be available. If you had trouble hearing this, don't worry. This should be available online. And these people will be yelling directly in your ear. So I don't know how it's <laughs> going to sound. But at least you will hear them. 
I can guarantee that. Please stick around for a second panel. We got amazing panelists and we'll be discussing role-playing game communities online. Thank you very much. D&D for Mental Health just took place yesterday, so uh, no editing backlog for the Rollist Present, I guess. It was a huge honor to organize this event. I'm so thankful to the people who trusted me with the idea for it. First of all, the Roleplay Heaven, who sponsored the event and covered the upfront cost to have it on the wheels. Second, London RPG community for their ongoing support and the amazing level of organization they've shown with setting up the D&D game sessions in the morning. And also Rupert from the Goblin's Chest and Janet and Dimitris from World Anvil for supporting us. And of course, Bad Moon Cafe here in London following us to host the event in their venue. I hope you have found this content interesting. I look forward to releasing the second part. If you did find it interesting, if you were among the people who joined us, please leave a review telling us so and telling other people so they will be encouraged to access this content and it's encouraging us to do more of them. I'm very happy to say that the people who attended have been extremely generous and it was, I don't remember the amount, I think it was almost 800 pounds that we fundraised as part of this event and it's it's truly amazing considering it. it's not such a large event everybody's being very very generous thank you so much so if you like this event again leave a review maybe consider extending your generosity through supporting the Rollist via patreon that really helps me produce the show the more support i can get through there, the more of these events I will be able to do. Uh, I mean, I've been using equipment at this event to record this panel, which was funded by the Patreon. So without it, without the current patrons of the show, I would not have been able to make it. Yeah, the quality of the sound was what it was. We had a very noisy environment. It's nobody's fault, but that's the way it was. But thanks to the very good equipment patrons made possible that I purchased, I find the sound is much better than I was hoping to, to be honest. So again, a big thank you to all the patrons of the Everest podcast. I will release the second panel in a month. You know, you want to spread the love. Do people say that actually? Uh, Never mind. But uh, in the meantime, you will have this month's episode of the Everest podcast. So I hope you will check it out if you have not checked quotation mark regular episode of the Everest podcast. And that's it, really. Thanks again, everyone, for joining us, for your support. It's amazing. I'm so proud of the London RPG community. Um, I'm so thankful also for Wizards of the Coast who supported us through giving us stuff for the raffle. Yeah, you're all amazing. And I look forward to seeing you again. And also, I look forward to hearing about more of your experiences. So the hashtag DND for mental health. So that's D-N-D for the number mental health. You can use the hashtag still on Twitter, Instagram, whatever platform you want to share your experience. I think it's a great initiative to all open up about the experience we had. So see you soon. And in the meantime, have good games and love one another.